0: It's dark, and snow is falling heavily. I have to squint to see the farmhouse a hundred yards away. I'm beginning to lose sight of the dirt track, large snowflakes settling on the ground. I'm desperately regretting my choice not to buy good walking boots. In fairness, I didn't think the car would break down. My feet are sodden. The house stands as a sole beacon in an otherwise unoccupied rural landscape. It is lit up with so many Christmas lights, it looks like the sun has fallen from the sky. I've been invited to a Christmas dinner by two friends, Robbo and Christine. It is seven days before Christmas Day. They said it would be nice. Please come, please, they said. We'll cook, please come. I never see them at Christmas, I never see anyone during Christmas. For the month of December I try to be a ghost. No office Christmas parties, no mulled wine, no secret Santa, no mistletoe, no eggnog, no mince pies, no brandy custard, no Christmas jumpers. I don't like Christmas, everyone knows that. The rampant commercialism, the faux sentimentality, the writers of radio and TV forced to trot out a Christmas special, something that never quite feels ready, always underbaked, never had enough time to be developed, characters weak and unformed. I've known Robbo and Christine since university. Feels like they've always been together. I can't quite remember what they studied and their jobs are in finance, possibly. I've never asked. Nor shall I. The first time I told Robbo and Christine I didn't like Christmas, they both cried in front of me. They adore the season, their joint Instagram account becoming dedicated to it from early November. Them and their white teeth smiling happily at Winter Wonderland Hyde Park, a reindeer farm, skiing in the Alps, Cologne Christmas Market they forced me to dinner now. I picked up the phone to an unknown number the other day, and Robbo was on the other end. He asked me if I would come to Christmas dinner, and surprised I couldn't come up with an excuse on the spot. Their house stands alone, no other buildings in sight for miles. It has a small back garden with a crumbling dry stone wall. Within the confines of the garden, a towering fir tree stands reaching up to the sky, beyond the chimney. It is covered with coloured lights. Yellow, blue, red, green. It is almost impossible to see any actual foliage through the light. The tree practically hums with the sound of electricity. Yet, I note, no star at the top. To finish off the image. And next to it stands a creepy motorised sculpture of reindeer leading Father Christmas's sleigh through the night. His eyes dead and unblinking. The trim of his sleigh pulses bright red. As I put my freezing hand on the gate and undo the latch, I notice a festive song pumping loudly in the background. Something jolly inoffensive, completely anodyne. It reminds me of December in an electronics shop, walking past the speakers. A yuletide audio lobotomy. I cross the threshold and step into the garden. Immediately, the front door swings open. The music from inside, the house, floods out. A tsunami of jingling bells a snow blizzard of festive joy. Robbo, wearing a garish Christmas jumper with LED lights on it, strides out. "'You earn!' he shouts in his baritone voice. Before he gets to me, his chocolate Labrador charges at me, a set of felt antlers on his head. The dog jumps with all its might and pins me to the floor, licking my face. "'Get off him, Blitzen, yeah?' Robo says, as the wet tongue wipes across my closed eyelids and leaves a trail of saliva. Robo whistles, and then blitz and retreats, sprinting back into the house. Sorry about that, yeah? Robbo says. He gets excited, yeah? Let's get you in, yeah? You must be freezing, yeah? I scramble to my feet, stumble a bit, pat snow off of myself. Inside, the old house is like a TV set. Immaculate. Greeting cards are hung up on a line running across the mantelpiece. The log fire roars. Blitzen sits in a bed with his name on it, next to a Christmas tree circled by gifts wrapped in elegant paper and twine. A pine garland decorated with baubles acts as trim on the staircase and on the staircase, Christine poses in the same Christmas jumper as Robbo. Ewan, she says, lovely to see you. She walks over, hand on her pregnant belly, and hugs me with one arm. Was the journey okay? She says. "The car broke down, I say. Oh well, you're here now, she says. Before I know it, A scorching hot mug of mulled wine has been thrust into my hands, spices filling my nostrils, fingertips saved from hypothermia. Do you mind turning the music down? It's it's actually quite loud, I say. No worries, yeah? Robbo says, turning off the music. Drink up, yeah? Running back over, he tilts the mug of mulled wine to my mouth, as if I have been starved of hydration for days. It's sweet and strong, made with good wine. Dinner is nearly ready, Christine announces. But as I look over to the kitchen, I see no signs of a Christmas dinner being made. It looks like the kitchen has never been used. Surely, I think, the kitchen should look like a war zone. Every utensil used, every surface covered. But here, it is sparkling clean. There is zero sign of any food being prepared. Not a single drop of wine on the floor. A wayward splodge of potato. A dropped pig in blanket. A lone wolf Brussels sprout. There is no sign of distress anywhere. You uh, keep a clean shop around here, I mention. Oh, it's a mess, really, says Christine. I'm told to make myself comfortable. I look at the living room. Up on the mantelpiece they have a line of sickeningly cutesy framed pictures of themselves. But all of them are the same photo. Them in front of the mantelpiece, grinning cheerily in matching Christmas jumpers. Cold out, isn't it, yeah? Robert says. You can stay overnight, no worries, yeah? I mumble a thank you. He asks me what I'm up to these days. Still doing podcasts, yeah busy, yeah, I realize he is standing incredibly close to me. I can feel his breath on my nose, anything good on the go, yeah he asks one of your stories, yeah, I'm doing a Christmas special, I say, quite difficult, really, to come up with something. I haven't done an episode of the podcast for a while, so I'm having to rush a special for Christmas, yeah, you know, just to retain some um some presents, really, you know. It's all about keeping the wheels of content churning, you know. Robbo tells me about the new 4 by 4 great for getting up the driveway in weather like this. He tells me work is fine, he's happy, everything is fine. Robbo talks concisely, efficiently, his mouth never settling as something anything less than a smile. His repeated use of yeah at the end of his sentences, with the rising inflection, makes me feel uneasy. He seems utterly and entirely to operate at a surface level. His movements are measured and precise. A bloke in charge. So nice of you to come, yeah, he says. Bit of a way, yeah. They're being nice, I think. Free meal out of this, I say to myself. I'm interrupted by Christine, dinging a little gong in the dining room. And, astonished, I realise she has laid the table in the five seconds I have been turned the other way. All the trimmings. Turkey, parsnips, potatoes, gravy, sprouts, pigs in blankets, a whole ham, a goose. The table is covered with a red cloth. In the centre of it, a golden candle and a wreath dotted with red berries. Is it just us eating, I say, seeing food that could feed a whole battalion? Yes, of course, Christine says, as she places a whole salmon, a trifle and a Christmas pudding onto what little real estate remains on the table. And then we are sat, both of them on one side of the table, me on the other. I feel like I am here for an interview, or perhaps more like I am cattle waiting to be fattened. Not long until the baby's here, I assume, I say to Christine. Not long at all, she says. Then they turn and kiss each other on the lips slowly, and then their tongues search for each other. I look to the window. The snow is falling in thick sheets. Turkey, yeah? Robbo asks, sharpening a blade. He slices into the breast expertly. He does it with the sort of relish you'd see on a cookery programme, when they get the close-up for the camera. He smacks his lips. He cuts the piece and places it delicately onto my plate. Then he adds potatoes, vegetables, stuffing, pigs in blankets and gravy to the plate. It is a towering, edible ode to Christmas. They watch as I hungrily take a bite out of the turkey. It's moist, succulent, delicious. Their eyes watch my teeth bite and chew. We haven't seen you in ages. So nice to see you. Lovely to see you, yeah? Robbo says. Well, you know, are you not, not eating? I ask, my mouth full. Nice to have you here, Christine says. For Christmas. We love it. As you know, they talk without saying anything. No interest in discussing their own lives. They wave away questions about their careers. They divert talk about politics to talk about Christmas films. What's my favourite, they ask. We'll put it on afterwards, they say. And as I talk and they ask me questions, my wine glass becomes empty, and then it is full again, and they are laughing. So they must be enjoying themselves. I must be on good form. I continue to drink the wine, and I become more mean. I explain that I think the traditional aspect of Christmas has somewhat been lost in the sea of a commercial fog. It's not really a season, but rather a window in which to buy things, things you don't need. And as we wriggle and squirm in the deathly sinking sand of an economic recession, it appears to me that Christmas is just a moment for assessing whether you or your business can remain solvent in the following year. Ewan, Ewan, Robo sighs. There's no need to be like that, yeah? You're getting too obsessed with your own narrative, yeah? Be a bit more optimistic, yeah? Might make a nice story for everyone, yeah? But that's not pessimism, that's realism, I say. We live in an economy that has gone away from us, and that's how it is. The economic purpose of Christmas has won the battle against any moral purpose, any, any, any... But what about the cosiness? The carol singing? The tradition? Christine says, searching. Sure, all of that is nice, but I mean, look at all this. How much did this cost you? A gesture to the opulently decorated room we are sat in. A gesture to the food. A time to be thankful she says. Why do we need to feast to be thankful, I say. A silence falls, only ended by the glugging of wine being poured into my glass. Both their smiles have dissipated now. We thought you could change, yeah, Robbie says. Thought you could learn to like Christmas, yeah, learn to be our friend, yeah. Why do I have to like Christmas to be your friend, i say. Can't we just be friends? Can't you just have me round for dinner? The food is no longer delicious looking. It looks cold. Greasy. The fish, flesh torn from it, is just a skeleton now. Robbo takes a mince pie. I notice it is dappled with mould. The dog is gnawing at a rotting piece of beef. Just write something nice, Ewan, yeah? Write something that's nice, yeah? I hear Robbo say. My glass is empty, and then it is full. And then it is empty again, and then it is full. And then it is empty again, and then it is full. My head is getting foggy, and the words I am saying cease to form into coherent sentences. I am mentioning the King's Christmas speech, adverts for department stores, advent calendars with chocolate. I am saying I will write something exposing the Christmas season, how it's all fake and awful, whatever the podcasting market is telling me to do. My own voice is beginning to sound distant, as if I am in another room. Robo wipes mince pie crumbs from around his mouth. Oh, very smart of you, yeah? You're above them all, aren't you, yeah? You've already written something like that anyway. You can't spend your whole life writing stories within stories, yeah? No one will take you seriously. That's not being original, my eyes wander to the window. A figure is trying to unlatch the gate, their body impossibly round. They are desperately pawing at the thing. I get up out of my chair. I stumble to the window. The figure seems exhausted. Is he alright? I hear myself say. I run to the door, bumping into the dining table on the way and sending remnants of the feast to the floor. I open the front door, exploding into the wintry night air. I mumble something to the figure, who I see is dressed as a giant, glittery, red bauble. They turn. Their eyes fix on me. It's a man in his forties, beaten raw and bloodied, eyes almost pulp. He spits out the words. "I I won't write another Mrs Brown's Boys Christmas special. You can't make me. But he's cut off. He starts to produce a gurgling sound. Blood begins to seep through his lips. His eyes look at mine, and then to the blade in his chest. His hand goes to grasp it, but his wrist goes limp. He slumps forward, onto his knees, and then smashes his head against the dry stone wall. I lose sight. I fall. Glimpses through the darkness. Feet being dragged through fresh white snow. Blood-red, treacle-trail. Something tightening around my wrists. Twine, or similar. Snatches of Robbo. Show me how to come to this, yeah? If you'd just accepted the season, yeah? If you'd just tried, yeah? Christine mutters approval. My arms stretched so my body is in a T-pose, my body fastened by zip-ties to a wooden frame. Tinsel wrapped around my midriff, my mouth taped shut. Tree lights twisted around my frame. A yellow light placed in my mouth, kept there, I am winched up, hoisted, up, 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 to the top of the tree in the garden, where I will remain forever, on trial, a reluctant decoration.